You're listening to Bloom in Tech with David Bloom. This podcast sponsored by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bloom and Tech. I'm your host, David Bloom, and we look at the collision of media, entertainment, and technology and pick through the rubble to find a few golden nuggets of wisdom to help us through the day. I am uh, here right before the start of the Academy Awards, uh, a couple days from now, with a little take on handicapping what the streamers, the streaming services, are going to do going into the weekend. I think it's going to be a big, a big weekend for a number of the services for lots of reasons. I just, I'll go over the next couple of minutes uh, who I think's got some shots, and I'd uh, love to hear from you guys. Uh, but maybe it'll help you fill out your Oscar brackets a little bit more. But the streaming services have kind of come out of new, nowhere. Uh, this year's awards are delayed, as were last year's, by the stuff happening in the, around the world with the pandemic. It's about a month later than usual. And it will feature three very smart women and funny women as hosts and a lot of streaming-first projects. Uh, among the things we're going to do is just take a last lingering look at the Oscar chances for the nominees with Streaming Heritage and handicap their chances of scoring a little gold man. It marks the broadest array of streaming-driven nominees ever, in part because of the pandemic's devastating impacts on theater going which forced traditional Hollywood companies to rethink strategies. Just three years ago, Disney Pixar's Encanto, one of the animated feature favorites, would have been perched in theaters for months before going to home entertainment. Now, it didn't even go to theaters. It opened directly in uh, Disney+. It's also worth noting that even streaming-only companies, Apple, Netflix, and Amazon, gave exclusive, if generally brief, theatrical runs to qualify their projects for Oscar consideration before heading to their forever homes online. But 2021 also was the first full year of operations for many major services. At least it was the year that many of those services finally figured out production pipelines and release strategies that uh, actually aligned with the new realities of the streaming era and the pandemic. At this point, it's going to be difficult for the Academy's fustier old-school contingent to fully stuff the streaming genie back in the bottle and depend on theatrical-only releases for their awards quality movies. Uh, the reality is it's probably going to be years before theaters and studios can count on the return of the older, critic-driven audiences that fuel most Oscar contenders' success. Only a handful of genres, superheroes, horror, big action movies, proved able to bring in big audiences in 2021 and the first quarter of 2022. None of those genres tend to do well in Oscars anyway, other than the technical categories such as visual effects or production design. That bifurcation seems unlikely to change soon. The longer it lasts, the bigger the shift in release strategies for many smaller films toward more nuanced approaches, perhaps seasoning an online debut early or very soon after the traditional platform theatrical release, or maybe they never go to theaters because they can't get anybody there to watch. It's just not worth the cost. This shift could escalate in coming years if those award-focused audiences continue to stay home in front of their 65-inch screens, and even more so if, say, Apple makes good on the rumors and buys A24 or some other hot indie distributor like Neon as a sort of high-end riposte to Amazon's $8.5 billion MGM acquisition, which just closed. Netflix alone has 10 films of varying lengths with at least one nomination this year, including Best Picture favorite 
The Power of the Dog, International Feature Contender, The Hand of God, and Feature Animation co-favorite, The Mitchells vs. The Machines. That list also includes multiple projects in less prominent categories, including three of the five documentary short nominees, Three Songs for Benazir, set in Afghanistan, Lead Me Home, about homeless people on the West Coast, and Audible, about a deaf football player contending with a friend's suicide. It also has animated short nominee Robin Robin and lesser contenders, to my mind, uh, The Lost Daughter, Tick Tick Boom, and Don't Look Up. Put it all together and the big red N almost certainly will have plenty to brag about Monday morning. Several other streamers also appear poised to grab bragging rights Sunday night. In some cases, these 2022 contenders spent time in traditional theatrical release, but almost certainly were watched by far more people online and very soon after that theatrical release, including even the more than 9,000 Oscar voters. How that impacts voting for this weekend's uh, awards will be difficult to determine, especially as the Motion Picture Academy gets more diverse and more international under recent under recent expansion drives. As mentioned, Netflix's The Power of the Dog went into awards season as a heavy favorite to win Best Picture and plenty of other statues, and indeed its 12 nominations include the top prize, Best Picture, plus director, cinematography, screenplay, and four acting nominations, Benedict Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst, Cody Smith-McPhee, and Jesse Plemons. The latter two are competing against each other in the supporting actor category. Director Jane Campion is a heavy favorite to pick up her second Oscar after winning a screenplay award for the piano almost 30 years ago. Less clear is whether the dog can grab Best Picture, too, given the outcomes of some major precursor awards and the Academy's willingness in recent years to separate the two awards winners. The film is gorgeous, emotionally chilly, and a decidedly different take on the traditional Western to the loudly proclaimed distaste of Sacramento-born cowboy actor Sam Elliott. So it's entirely likely that cinematographer Ari Wegner will join Campion on the dais and possibly also editor Peter Sabaris, the score by Radiohead's Johnny Greenway, and Campion's adapted screenplay, which also might win. Dunst has a shot in the hugely competitive supporting actress category, while Cumberbatch's fine but nasty performance of a cowboy who isn't all that he seems won't win the sympathy vote, but still might beat out some tough competition. HBO Max's Dune collected its own mega-batch of nominations, 10, mostly for its many behind-the-camera marvels, from visual effects to sound, production design, to makeup and hairstyling. Thanks to its extraordinary immersion in Frank Herbert's beloved novel, it's almost certain to convert many of those nominations, but not Best Picture, making it likely one of the film's most honored films without being the film. And yes, it's true, the film debuted in theaters the same day it hit HBO Max, but consider any Oscars it scoops up as partial validation of outgoing WarnerMedia CEO Jason Kylar's hugely controversial yet vital decision to go day and date with streaming and theatrical for the entire 2021 Warner Brothers slate. It likely was a lifesaver for some struggling theaters desperate for product, and it also ensured those movies got seen by millions of people on their home screens while boosting the perceived consumer value of HBO Max after a confusing launch and its ongoing relatively high price. To me, that was a critical decision on many levels. Apple paid a record $25 million for Coda after the Sundance Darling picked up four awards there and has since repeatedly come back to it in its marketing and advertising for Apple TV+. 
The heart-tugging film itself is built on a set of largely conventional storytelling bones based on a French movie, but won people over with its extra twist portraying the challenges of a deaf family with a hearing-enabled teen daughter trying to find her own way in life. Troy Kotzer, who plays the father, seems increasingly a lock for the Best Supporting Actor nomination. It would be a first for a deaf ad actor in the category, and that can only help Kotzer's prospects, given the feel-good opportunity for voters to back his excellent work. After crucial wins at the Screen Actors Guild and Producers Guild Awards, the film is now seen as, at the very least, a dark horse candidate to upset the power of the dog for Best Picture. Given the come-from-nowhere Best Picture wins of previous feel-good contenders such as Green Book, Coda may strike a winning note. Disney's Steven Spielberg remake of West Side Story, refreshing a much-beloved Broadway musical and 1961 Best Picture winner, showed considerable verve and picked up seven nominations, but it definitely is much loved in certain circles. But it stiffed in its theatrical release, 75 million worldwide, before finding a second life on Disney+, and it's helping Ariana DeBose break through. She'll likely grab the Best Supporting Actress statue in a very competitive field. The Mouse House appears better set with its animated feature favorite, Encanto, which might also scoop up the Oscars for score and original song, Dos Orguitas. The latter is a lovely song, but it's worth pondering whether Disney bet on the wrong horse here. We Don't Talk About Bruno blew up huge on TikTok and beyond and seemingly has become far more popular, but it didn't get the nomination. Encanto's big competition is Netflix's kinetic, social media-savvy critique of the tech, The Mitchells versus The Machines, an early pick here to win before Encanto became a cultural breakthrough with its music, looks, and lovely Latinx storyline. Also from Disney's animation operations, Ray and the Last Dragon and Luca, each also picked up feature animation nods, but neither seems likely to win. Hulu's Flea also received a feature animation nomination but in a historic triple was nominated as well for international feature and feature documentary categories. That says a lot about Academy members' regard for this extraordinary true story of an Afghani refugee and the secret that person held for two decades. But it may spread the film's awards prospects too thinly to actually win any of them. Flea's biggest competition might come from another Hulu project, Amir Questlove Thompson's loving reclamation of 50-year-old recordings of a Harlem music festival, called Summer of Soul, or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised. Summer has picked up a lot of the Precursor Honors and Critics Awards, and it's certainly a terrific and fun film to watch, so perhaps it has an inside track. HBO Max's King Richard is dominated by Will Smith's showy portrayal of Richard Williams, the stubborn, domineering father of tennis superstars Venus and Serena Williams. Given Smith is nominated for a third time and has yet to win, and has made a lot of money for a lot of people in Hollywood over the years with his movies, TV shows, and music, he likely has an edge and goodwill among voters, too. Consider it a coin flip with Cumberbatch and maybe our next entry. Ingenue Ellis picked up a Best Supporting Actress nomination for her strong and subtle performance as the mother of the Williams clan, but her category might be the most difficult to pick of any. Apple's The Tragedy of Macbeth is a brisk, and bleak telling of Shakespeare's great tragedy shot in black and white and directed by Joel Cohen, half the multiple Oscar-winning brother pair. Denzel Washington picked up his ninth Oscar nomination with two wins and always has to be taken seriously in an Oscar campaign, so put him in play, but as a longer shot than Smith or Cumberbatch. 
The gorgeous cinematography and production face stout competition, but haven't been stacking up enough precursor wins to look likely to break through. Amazon's Being the Ricardos has three acting nominations for Javier Bardem, Nicole Kidman, and J.K. Simmons for their parts in Aaron Sorkin's talkie, of course, take on a pivotal week in the lives of Lucille Ball and her equally transformative husband, Desi Arnaz. It's hard to put much money on any of these horses, though, given the competition. But if you're interested in the broader story of how Ball and Arnaz helped create the modern television industry, please check out Lucy and Desi, Amazon's splendid documentary directed by Amy Poehler, with significant contributions and archival material from the Arnaz Ball family. It fills in all the revolutionary details that Sorkin's script could only mention in passing. Netflix's The Lost Daughter received nominations for lead and supporting actress, and two-time winner Olivia Colman is always a contender with yet another fine performance in this reverie of a bad mother feeling regret years later, directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal. Jessie Buckley faces that loaded supporting actress gauntlet, so probably should be considered less likely to win. Perhaps adapted screenplay by Gyllenhaal is where Oscar voters try to recognize the film, as often seems to happen with smart, highly personal projects that can't quite grab the very biggest prize. The same instinct might give the highly polarizing Netflix satire Don't Look Up a chance in the original screenplay category. Disney's Tick Tick Boom nabbed a lead actor nomination for Andrew Garfield's dynamic performance as the tortured creative mind behind one of Broadway's all-time greatest hits, Rent, as he worked and workshopped the autobiographical project that preceded it. It's a fine piece of work, and Oscar voters love nothing more than backing stories about themselves. See also Paolo Sorrentino's substantially autobiographical The Hand of God, Netflix's international feature entry. But Garfield almost certainly will have to watch as Will Smith and maybe Cumberbatch or Denzel stride to the stage. And those are my thoughts on uh, this weekend's proceedings. Should be a lot of fun. Glad we're finally to it. And it's fun to kind of see the evolution of the Oscars in these last couple of years at the point of a gun or a hypodermic needle, I suppose. But I do think it's uh, the, the invasion of streaming first or streaming mostly projects is a fair marker of the transformation of Hollywood more generally. And it's, it's interesting to see how that plays out and who's going to actually come out ahead, how they're going to use this for bragging rights, how they're going to use it for marketing in the future, and to differentiate themselves from some of the uh, proliferating competition. And with that, I will wrap this up. This has been David Bloom for Bloom and Tech. If you like what you hear, please uh, like, share, rate, review uh, the podcast. And uh, if you really like what you what you hear, uh, the, the site that syndicates my content across 10 different platforms, anchor.fm, makes it easy for you to contribute something. And that would be greatly appreciated to help finance this well-oiled media machine that is me. In the meantime, I hope you're doing well. I hope you uh, are enjoying all the movies. I mean, all of them have been great great to watch. There's some really good stuff out there and uh, lots of places to watch them at home now. So we can. I think these films are getting seen more than ever thanks to the streaming stuff, even if many traditionalists grump that they deserve to be on the big screen and only seen on the big screen. With Dune, that might be true. With uh, some of the others, certainly probably less of a case to be made when you've got a 65 or 75 inch screen with a great sound bar that uh, does wrap around sound in your own chair with your own popcorn or concessions as it were and the chance to pause things when you need to go to the bathroom 
And I think that that transformation will continue to affect the way Hollywood does what Hollywood does. So with all that, have a great Oscar cast. I hope you uh, win your pool. Uh, tell me who you think is going to win Best Picture. I'd love to hear how you did. And in the meantime, this is David Bloom for Bloom and Tech. Over and out. You've been listening to Bloom in Tech. I am your host, David Bloom. Thanks so much. And our podcast has been sponsored in this episode by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Take care, everyone. Thank you.